0: Sunday School, the book of Job, it's a great book, many issues in life we encounter and we do not know how to deal with, especially the people always have a question, why bad things happen to good people? Well, the book of Job is a clear testimony of that and God will answer your questions if you come. But my question is, when people ask the question, why do bad things happen to good people? My question to those people, why good things happen to bad people? People, nobody thinks about that. We take it for granted, everything. When bad things happen, we just raise our fist. Where are you, God? So Job is the classic example he will give you. I have printed out last Lord's Day and handed over in our Bible study group the Uh, the three-page paper, introduction. So if you would like to join in the first week of April, God willing, if the Lord do not call me home or or we are not here, maybe we will study. And if you get that paper, I'll give it to Adam, is our usher, he will give you, if you need to come to the Bible study and the book of Job, contact uh, uh, Adam, he will give you the introduction paper. So you read, reread, and come for the Bible study. It will be a wonderful time. There are more than 300 precious lessons we are going to learn from the book of Job. And I'm looking forward, I'm excited. I already started preparing the book of Job and I am so much blessed and I'm sure you will be blessed because it's wonderful to have a clear understanding of God and his perspective, why things happen and we don't understand uh, so we will try to understand from God's perspective. Well, this is uh, Lord's uh, day and especially Thanksgiving. It's wonderful to give thanks. Count your. We sang the song, count your blessings, name them one by one. It will surprise you what the Lord has done. Count your blessings, name them two by two. It will surprise you what the Lord can do. Count your blessings, name them three by three. It will surprise you what the Lord can be. Count your blessings, name them four by four. It will surprise you there are many more. So this is your opportunity to give thanks to God. Because Thanksgiving is rare in our dictionary. I believe when I was a chaplain in a hospital, or a nursing home, I always say Thanksgiving is the antidote of depression. Thanksgiving is an antidote of depressions. When you count the blessings, the depression will fly away. It's wonderful to think about God's goodness. Yes. So this is your time, my friends. I would like to give you five minutes or seven minutes, whatever it is. Don't look at the clock. Put your clock in the, clock, in, the clock, in your wallet, and we will have a good time. Thanksgiving. Personal thanking, I would like to give you opportunity. Thank God for what God is, who God is in your own life. Don't think about your family or children or anything else. Just about you. How God is good to you. Let's take time. Who will be the first? Lenny. If you can stand up so people can hear, thank you very much. Thank you. And I am just so That is the greatest thing. Thank you very much. Uh, A B C D. I Always I say A, B, C, D. When you say A, B, C, D, what is A, B, C, D? Audible, brief, christ center, and definite. Uh-huh. Yes. Thanksgiving. Yes. Uh-huh. Dell. Thank you.
1: Go back in and pray.
0: We rejoice. The mystery belongs to God. Thank you. Yes, Peggy. Amen. We rejoice with you, Peggy. Anyone before we... Yes, Ty. Uh, Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Ty. Any more, one more before we get into this. It's wonderful, friends, to count the blessings one by one, two by two, three by three, four by four, and it will surprise you what who God is and what God has done for you. It's a milestone. Every day is a milestone. You know, when I get up in the morning, when I put my foot down, I sit in the Bible study, I I said, Lord, thank you for borrowing me another 24 hours in my life. That's how I began my journey every day. And I thank God the Lord has counted me worthy. Don't think highly of me or my wife. We are worse sinners, but saved by grace of God. And we are here. And we thank God for church family. Thank you. I thank my brother Marty for our accountability to one another. I thank God for my wife, 42 years, we just celebrated, and we are so blessed. Oh, I would marry her a million times. Any other, is not. then let's look to the word of God. Shall we, Colossians chapter 1, please, and verse 311, uh, uh, turn with me, please. Colossians chapter 1. Chapter 3, uh, chapter 1, verse 3, verse 12, 13, 14. May we all stand to God's honor God's word, please? If you can, please. I will read verse 3, and then you will read verse 12, and then I will read verse 13, and you will finish with verse 14. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praying always for you. Giving thanks
1: unto the Father, which has made us need to be partakers of the inheritance
0: of the saints in life. Who have delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. In whom we have redemption through his love, even the forgiveness of sins. Thank you. Please be seated. Let's look to the Lord and ask God to bless. What a privilege, O Lord, that we can come together boldly, confidently, courageously before the throne room of God. We thank you, Lord, for this place you provided for us to worship. Thank you, Lord, for the freedom we have in this land. Thank you, Lord, for your living word. Thank you for your blessed Holy Spirit. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that we are sitting under the authority of your word. And will you please open our eyes and open our heart to behold the glory of your word. And in the glory, O God, we want to see Jesus Christ. Bless, O God, our time together and encourage us, challenge us, guide us, lead us, instruct us. And Lord, if it is, pleasing you rebuke us and may you be praised in every way. I thank you, Lord, for each person, those who are sitting here. You know their spiritual need. Oh, spirit of the living God, I pray that you illuminate their hearts and their mind, their understanding, that they will understand your word in your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, thank God that we have, we are living in a country where we are having Thanksgiving time as a family. And I understand that... um, Uh, It's a joyous occasion for family, friends to get together and give thanks to God. I understand that we always take time to thank God for the food, the clothing, shelter, and everything the Lord provides for us. And we are wonderful. We are very grateful who we are that God can bless us. He doesn't have to bless us. We are the children of dust. Our days are numbered. And yet he is giving us every day By mercy and grace, and Jeremiah in Lamentation chapter 3, verse 24, 25, he says, because of your compassion and your mercy, we are not consumed. Great is your God's faithfulness. So we do not take it anything for granted, and I hope you are not taking for granted. But that's wonderful, and I hope you will do that when uh, Thanksgiving comes from this coming Thursday. But there is other side of thanksgiving that we would like to consider. And that is spiritual thanksgiving. How do we thank God for what he has done for us spiritually? And this is what the Paul is talking about in uh, Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 verse 3 and verse 12, 13 and 14. Bible repeatedly, repeatedly stresses the importance of giving thanks. Repeatedly. In Psalm number 50 and verse 14, the Psalmist writes, Offer unto God thanksgiving. So thanksgiving for the believers is not option, but an obligation. Because God has blessed us. God is not obligated to bless us, but because of his mercy. Because of his grace, he blesses us. Always remember that. So offer unto God thanksgiving. In Psalm number 107 and verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his mercy endures forever. For whom? For those who love God. Isn't it wonderful? Psalm number 107 verse 21 and 22. Oh, that man would praise the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works, and let them sacrifice the sacrifice of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. With rejoicing. Psalm number 92, verse 1, said, it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and sing praises to the name of the Most High God. Most high God. What a glorious God we have. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Note the word, giving thanks to all, all. Do we have to thank God when the go, everything goes south? Or when everything goes well, say, thank you, Lord. And we are the creatures of the habit and we do so that. But you know, it's wonderful when everything goes wrong and yet you say, thank you, Lord, I don't understand and I don't have to understand, but I know everything comes from your hand. It is always good. And I thank you. George Mathison, the Scottish preacher, blind, when he was dating is Beyonce found out that he's getting, he's losing his eyes. So she left George Mathiasen. And he, rest of his life, he was blind. when he, was, he, he wrote a wonderful songs. Oh, love that will not let me go. That's one of the songs, beautiful song. He wrote at the end of his life, he said that, I, Lord, I always thank God for the roses. But I never thank you for the thorns. I never thank you for the thorns. In everything you thanks. In everything you thanks. I use the list. The, there was a man in the church who always thanked God. Every time. Whenever a pastor offers the time of thanksgiving, he's the first one to raise his hand. And... Uh, He was losing his leg because of a diabetes. So he imputed the leg. He was recovered and he came back to the church. Everybody were looking at him. He said, what is going to be thankful now? He lost his leg. So when pastor asked the questions, what are you thankful for? So he raised his hand and everybody's looking at him. And he said, I thank God. Now I have to worry about only one shoes. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Paul says, giving thanks for all. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Whatever you do in the word or deed, do all in the name of Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15, right of the Hebrew says, by him. Therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Thanksgiving, beloved, should permeate our speech, our prayers, and also our songs. Thanksgiving is an antidote of depression, discouragement. When you get discouraged, depressed, Count the blessings, count the blessings. Let us learn from our Lord Jesus Christ, he's our classic example, he's our example for every way. Before feeding 5,000 people, you remember Jesus took the loaves and giving thanks and he distributed to those who were seated. John writes in chapter six, verse 11. Before he raised Lazarus from the grave, John writes in chapter 11, verse 41, He said, he raised his his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou has heard me. Even Jesus says that. Even the angelic host in Revelation chapter 7, verse 11 says, they worship God saying, Amen, blessings and glory, wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to over God forever and ever. What makes Christians most thankful is the work of Christ. Pause for a second. Think about without Christ, once upon a time, who, where you were. Where you were. And now, where you are. The work of Christ. He, has, he, he doesn't have to do for us. But he did it. Because he loved us. Everlastingly. Ten lepers. You remember ten lepers. In Luke chapter 17. And they came and he said. Have mercy on us. And the Lord said. Go and show yourself. And while they were on the way. All were healed. Remember the story. And the one came back. The work of Christ. What was a unique work of Christ in that particular Samaritan than the rest of the nine people? When the one was cured, when when he came back, the Bible tells us he fell on the ground and said, thank you, Jesus. And what did Jesus say? What a wonderful testimony the Lord has given about him. And he said, you are made well. You are made well. Not physically only, but spiritually. What about Samaritan woman? She had five husbands, remember? And she was living with the sixth one when Jesus encountered to her. And uh, what happened to her? The work of Christ in her is amazing. When the Lord uh, confronted her and told her who she is, and then the Lord forgave her and she ran into the town. And I can imagine when she was telling, Eureka, 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 that is in Greek word. I found him, I found him, I found him. So probably sarcastically somebody would have said, did she find the seventh one now? I found him, I found him. And what happened? The work of Christ made the whole village to come to Jesus Christ. That is what the work of Christ does in the life of believer that turns into the thanksgiving to God. What a glorious God we have my friends. So this morning, I would like to consider several things of thanksgiving according to the scripture. Paul is talking about in verse 12, as we read, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints. Giving thanks unto the Father. What a glorious way to look at our God. Our God. Our awesome God. Our God. There is not one word in any other religion where you can address God as your Father. When the disciples came to Jesus Christ, they asked Him, So teach us to pray. And how did Jesus teach the disciples? When you pray, pray like this Our Father. Our Father. Who are in heaven. The word Father emphasizes a personal, relational aspect of our union with God. Wonderful. Just wonderful. God is our Father. Before our salvation, God was our judge. God was our righteous judge, righteous judge. We should before Him condemned for violating the holy laws of God. But when through the grace and the mercy, we place our faith in Christ, God ceased to be our sentencing judge. And became our gracious father. Let me ask you personally, has he your gracious father? Has he your gracious father? Or he's a sentencing judge. Not only God has adopted us, his sons and daughters, but he has also made us fit, F-I-T, God has made us fit to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. This very word is a very interesting word. He hath made us. He hath made us. Other translation says, He has qualified us. He has qualified us. To share the inheritance of the saints in light. The word made fit. Only two times it is written in the New Testament. Only twice. One is here. And the other is in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6. Where Paul is talking about the ministers. And this is what he says. Who also hath made us. Now think about that. He has qualified he has made us he has made us fit able minister Paul writes. it means according to the Greek literature that it means to make sufficient when you talk about he made us fit that means he has made us sufficient He has made us empowered, he has authorized, and also he made us fit. All these four words in Greek language is interpreted like made it fit. So if you put all together and try to understand what Paul had in his mind when he said that he had made us fit, that means we in our own righteousness in our own good works, would not have made us fit for the kingdom of God. A couple of people tried that. Cain, for example, Cain. Abel and Cain, you remember in Genesis chapter 4, God, I believe with all my heart that God revealed to them what he expects from Cain and Adam. Cain and Abel. Abel. What he was supposed to offer them. Because the writer of the Hebrew talks about in chapter 11, verse 4, that by faith Abel brought the better sacrifice than Cain. So it means that Cain could have brought a better sacrifice with, along with Abel. But Abel, Cain decided to have his way in order to please God. And what happened? He was rejected. He was rejected. When you come in the presence of God to be qualified, when you want to come in the presence of God to be made fit or authorized, not in your way, but in God's way. Second example, Leviticus chapter 10. We have the sons of Aaron, Nadab and Abihu. Remember, in chapter 9, if you read, you will find God has prescribed how to offer Sacrifice is only from the altar of the bronze. They have to bring the fire and get into the presence of God and offer the sacrifice. What did Nadab and Abihu do? They rejected God's way. They wanted to be qualified according to their own way. And both were instantly killed in the presence of God. You cannot make yourself fit as you please. When you try to do that, be careful. You might pay the price for that. God has given us his blueprint, what he expects from his subjects, from his redeemed people. And you ought to follow his instruction. Here we have, the text says that God qualified or God made us fit by the finished work of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah by the finished work of Jesus Christ. Before our salvation, we were dominated by the evil world system, which was run by the lust of the flesh, lust of the uh, pride, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. This were the dominating facts in 1 uh, John chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. And that's why John says, love not the world. Because love, love of the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the pride, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Be careful. So, we were dominated by the evil world system, wicked rulers, that is Satan, and the fallen sinful nature. We were Christless. We were stateless. We were covenantless. We were hopeless. We were godless. We were powerless. And we were spiritually dead. That's what we, who we were in before Christ delivered us. Our minds were given to futility, and our understanding was darkened. We were cut off from the life of God. Ignorant, hard-hearted, callous, immoral, impure. The only thing we were qualified to receive the judgment of God and the wrath of God. That's all we were. Without Christ, we were. And that is exactly what we would have received. But praise God. That's what Paul says, Be thankful for your inheritance. Be thankful for your inheritance, which was given to you by God. He had made us fit. He had authorized, he has empowered us. The Bible has much to say about the inheritance. Bible has much to say about inheritance. And you know what comes to mind? The eternal life. Can you pause for a second and think in your mind, what is the eternal life? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whoso believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting or eternal life. The eternal life is far more than endless existence. The eternal life is the quality of life. It is the Christ life lived in believer. That is eternal life. It is Christ life lived every second in believer's life. What did Paul say? In Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, he said... I crucify with Christ, nevertheless not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life now I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The eternal life is not that we're looking forward for eternity, but the eternal life God has granted to us so we may live Christ's life like. christ like life. The true Christian life is as Christ living through believer. Oh, beloved, let me ask you. We always rejoice knowing our eternal destiny. Praise God for that. But do I live that life here when I'm living on a borrowed time? Am I a living letter of Christ? How do people read me? When you go from the church, you know, sometimes people read us wrong. Because when we come to the church, praise the Lord, hallelujah. But then we know how we live rest of the week. Alexander MacLean, the great Scottish preacher, preacher, he died very young age. He died at the age of 30. But this is what he said. People will never go to church. But when the people come out from the church, they would like to read the Bible in them. Do they read? Eternal life is not only yonder. Yes, it is there. We are going to, what did Jesus say? I'm going to prepare a place for you. Wonderful. We are looking forward. That's why, you know, we are, I'm longing every day. That this would be the last day of my life. When I'm preaching, I pray this morning, Lord, this is the last Sunday I'm preaching, because next time I may not be here. That's how we are close to eternity. But do I live? Do you live? Christ-like life. True Christian live as Christ living through believer. Why? Because. In Christ, all the fullness of God dwells bodily. Wonderful, wonderful. Paul says, give thanks for your inheritance. Give thanks that God has counted you worthy for eternal life. It's not that you earn, it is he has given Secondly, inheritance, not only eternal life, but also the earth, the earth meek shall inherit the earth. Matthew chapter 5 verse 5, Jesus was talking about in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there is the kingdom of God and blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth that focus on the future aspect of our inheritance when we will rule with Christ in millennial kingdom the knowledge we will inherit the restored earth we should have it Oh brands in compared to what we are having everything will disappear in the light of his glory and grace we shall inherit we shall reign with Christ. Who we are, my beloved. Dust. Our days are numbered. Our breath is numbered. We do not know how long we will be here. And yet he's counting us worthy to share in eternal kingdom with him. That's to lead us on our knees or on the ground and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thirdly, we will inherit all the promises of God. Eternal inheritance, eternal life, the earth, and the promises of God. The right of the Hebrews exhort us to be imitator of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. The question, when do we receive our inheritance. When do we receive our inheritance? Greek language helps us to understand. I, I, I love the Greek language. Because, you know, when you go to Greek New Testament and the Hebrew language, it's so rich. Our, our, our language, English language, is so limited in our understanding. But when you get into the deep meaning of Greek literature, it's just a, different different world so here the questions when do we receive the eternal inheritance in the greek language the present participle that is the god has qualified that indicates we have it now we have it now did uh, the paul did say about that in uh, ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11 This is what Paul says. In him, in Christ, whom also we have obtained an inheritance. Stop there. In Christ, we have obtained already. Already we obtained inheritance. Christ is the believer's divine inheritance. Think about that. The believers are Christ's inheritance. The believers are the gift from the Father given to Jesus Christ. My beloved, you are God's precious gift to Jesus Christ because He has purchased you by His blood. You are not your own. You are not your own. There is a purchase deal done by Christ on the cross. So when Christ died, he win or he won you. You're not your own. That's why every day is given from him. him, So you can live Christ-like life. So you can become the living letter of Christ. So when you go out, people read Christ in you. John chapter 6 verse 37 all that the father gives me shall come to me so you 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 are gift by father to his son jesus christ can you fathom a second what it means That you are purchased gift out of the world, given to Jesus Christ as a gift, and he preserves you, and he said, I know my sheep, and they hear my voice, and nobody can snatch me from my hand. What a security. What a security. Thank God. God for that as the spoils his victory over Satan's sins and death we now belong to him belong to him from eternity past the father's plan father plan to determine that every person who would trust in his son for salvation would be given to his son as a possession and a glorious inheritance. Inheritance. We have already been transformed from the domain of darkness into Christ's kingdom. We are already fellow heirs with Christ. This is all the promises God has given on his book. The full possession of that inheritance is yet to future, yet future. Paul defines our inheritance as that of the saints in light that refers to those who have been separated from the world and set apart to God. The world light represents two things biblically. Intellectually, it represents the purity, and morally, it presents um, the truth. Isn't it wonderful? Wonderful. Isn't it wonderful? Give thanks to God for his inheritance. Eternal life, the earth, the promises from God that you are not your own, but you are purchased by him. Give thanks to God. When you meet together on Thanksgiving, friends, to your children, grandchildren, when you sit together, would you please tell them, not only physical aspect of thanksgiving, but the spiritual aspect that where you are and who you were, where you are, and what you will be in the days to come. That will open up somebody's eye. Secondly, second cause of thanksgiving is our spiritual deliverance. Our spiritual deliverance. Paul writes in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13b, And hath translated us into the kingdom of his son. For he delivered us from the domain of darkness. The second cause for thanksgiving is our spiritual liberation or deliverance. It means to draw. To draw. Or to rescue. God drew us out of the Satan's kingdom to himself. That eve, that event was called new birth, remember? New birth and new creation. We are not gradually or progressively delivered from the Satan's power, but instantly. The transition takes place right away. What did Jesus say to the man who won the cross? He said, remember me, Lord. What did Jesus say? Let me think. But he said today, the transition takes place right there. Right there. You know, we sing that great song, you know, Heaven Came Down and Glory Filled My Soul. And the hymn writer says, Born of the Spirit with life from above, into God's family divine, justified fully through Calvary's love, oh, what a standing is mine. And the transition so quickly was made. Hallelujah. The transition so quickly was made. Whenever a sinner I came. Took up the offer of grace he did proffer. Oh, saved me. or oh, praise his dear name. That is the Lord. The transition takes place right away. From darkness to the marvelous light in Christ. From Satan's power into Christ's kingdom. Christ in us, hope of the glory. Therefore, if any man is Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. And the old things passed away, and behold, new things have come. The believers, once delivered, they must live and act as they had been delivered. Oh, friends, my heart grieves. My heart grieves. Why? Because people who, claim that they are born again, and they're subject to the kingdom of God, and they act like not in the subject of the kingdom of God, and they give wrong message. When David, man after God's own heart, when he's seen against Bathsheba, remember that story. Nathan the prophet confronted David. What was the word David, uh, Nathan used against David? Because of you, the name of the Lord is blasphemed among the Gentiles. Heartbreaking word, truth. Because of you, the name of the Lord is blasphemed. When we, when the Lord has delivered us from the curse, condemnation and the wrath and we are the subject of his kingdom and we are the purchased possession of God when we do not live as the Lord has counted as worthy we are grieving the spirit of God. When your children do not act As you want them to act, what are you saying to them? Don't hurt me, son. You hurt enough to me. Don't do that, please. We are earthly, saved by the grace of God. And if we think that way, how much more our creator and our redeemer when we act abnormally rather than normally as a child of God, we hurt the spirit of God. We hurt the spirit of God. Those who receive the Lord Jesus Christ have been rescued from the domain of darkness. It could be translated from the power of jurisdiction of the authority and triumph over the domain of the darkness. Oh, friends, I told in the morning service, the prodigal son was brought back to home. Remember the story, prodigal son. When he asked the father that give my portion, in Eastern culture, he was telling his daddy, I wish you would be dead so I can have what I want. Nevertheless, you are still alive. Give me what I want, what my portion is. And he took the portion, he left. Do you remember the story? And he ended up in feeding the pigs and himself pigs' food. And then he remembered, in my father's house there are many who has enough to eat. Let me go, and I will tell my dad that I'm I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm not worthy to be considered as your son. Consider me as a servant. Father was waiting for him, and when he came, he welcomed him. He, he put the robe of uh, righteousness, we call it, and a ring of security, and all these things. Now think about that. He was there, and now he's here. If he think that I, I let me go back and feed myself from the pig's food. wonderful, is it nice? I don't think he would ever think about that. Now it is past. It is past. It has nothing to do with the present. Now present he has been rescued from there and he brought here and the father has welcomed him and give him the security. Why would he think about that? So many Christians do that likewise. And the name of the Lord is blasphemy. We are delivered. We are delivered from the domain of the darkness. Lastly, the transference. Oh, what a powerful word it is here. Verse 13b and verse chapter verse 14. He hath translated us. That's the word, translated us into the kingdom of his son. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. The apostle Paul continues the litany of blessings of thanksgiving. That that draws out his deep gratitude by describing the new domain. His new domain. Translated. The word translated. The word transferred. That means remove or change. It was used in the ancient world to speak of the displacement of the conquered people. To another land. Let me say the illustration. Israelites disobey God. Remember? They disobey God. And the Lord displaced them. From the promised land. To the Babylonian captivity. Displacement. God. By his almighty power. Displaced you and me. From the domain of the darkness. Into his kingdom. He translated us. What a privilege. What a privilege. He has translated us. Our total removal from the domain of satanic darkness to the glorious light of the kingdom of Christ. The kingdom refers to more than the future millennial kingdom. The kingdom is a spiritual reality now. Paul gives us the definition in Romans chapter 14, verse 17. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but in righteousness and peace and joy of the Holy Spirit. The kingdom is special relationship man in this age have with God. Through Jesus Christ, Christians have acknowledged Christ as their king and his subject in his kingdom. Christ Christ and Christ alone. A.B. Simpson, the founder of the Christian and Missionary Alliance, wrote a hymn, beautiful hymn. I love it, I sing it every time. Once it were the blessings, now it is the Lord. Once it were the feelings, now it is his word. Once the gift I wanted, now the giver owned. Once I sought for healing, now himself alone. All in all forever, Jesus saying, everything in Jesus, Jesus everything to me. Is he everything to you? He has delivered you from the domain and then brought us into his kingdom. Into his kingdom. So we are subject to his kingdom. They have sinned. They have been translated or transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son. Beloved, there is tremendous responsibility that accompanies being represented in Christ's kingdom. As a subject of Christ's kingdom, we must properly represent our king. Our king. You know what I pray sometimes? Lord, if my If through through my life your name is put down, I would rather be in the ground than your name be put down before before by me. I take it seriously. I don't want my Lord's name to be blasphemed because of me. I would rather be in the ground and blaspheme my name, my Lord's name. What kind of message then I would give? Once we are delivered... That Paul writes in Thessalonians, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord who calls you into his kingdom. Before we could fit subject for Christ's kingdom, we needed the redemption. That Paul is not talking about the forgiveness of sin. Redemption results in the forgiveness of sin. So Christ's death, this is where it ends up. Christ's death on our behalf paid the price to redeem us. On that basis, God Forgive our sins. That itself is a matter of spiritual thanksgiving. Give thanks to his holy name for what he has done. We don't deserve, but he has chosen us and snatched us out and displaced us into his kingdom. We are the children of the light. Let our light shine in this dark world, that Christ be glorified. Let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful that you brought us to this point in our lives where we can think about the past and think about the present where we are now in Christ and what will be our future. Oh, merciful God, we are looking forward for that day that we shall be like you. In the meantime, Lord, help us that we might truly, truly represent your glory, your truth, your righteousness, your very life through our life. As Paul says, not I, but Christ be exalted. Oh, merciful God, through my life, through my death, may Jesus Christ be praised. In His wonderful name we pray. Amen.